0: All things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Datat Discussion.
1: Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into another recap edition of the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter. At Andrew Galata, and then also you could follow the podcast on Twitter at the Hoot Dis. And this is a happy recap as the Saints won twenty-seven to twenty-four over the Panthers. Definitely an offensive game. Both quarterbacks looked great. Breeze and Bridgewater really duelled it out. As I think both of these teams, their offenses were clicking. Defenses, on the other hand, it was seemed like it was just optional at times. I mean, the Saints, they made the big play when they needed to with the sack by Marcus Davenport at the end of the game to set up a 65-yard attempt by Joey Sly that was just barely missed. But again, I feel like if you're the Saints, you come out with another kind of, I don't, don't want to call it ugly win because the offense looked great, especially without Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. But man, that defense, it, it didn't look pretty for the Saints, uh, to say the least. This is going to be a special podcast podcast. Because after our notes segment, when we get into our intriguing matchups, I will be joined by Tyrone Poole of the Believe in the Carolina Panthers podcast as we broke down the intriguing matchups and then also the Saints secondary troubles. And he had some great stuff to say. So I can't wait to share that, guys, with you just right after we kind of go over our notes real quick, which will be very, very short so we can get into that interview. And then after, we're going to come back and then talk about the Saints' grades here from when we go from the quarterback all the way down to the coaching here. And, you know, we go group by group as we always do here. So just starting off with some notes here, and then we'll get into the interview with Tyrone, and then we'll finish up with our group by group recap here. So we're basically just going to talk about team stats here, kind of some overall trends of this game. And this Saints' offense, I think, played outstanding. I know they only put up 27 points, but it kind of dictated them to put up 27 points because you wanted to be on the field as long as possible. I mean, today, Drew Brees and the Saints offense was the best defense for this team. I and mean, Drew Brees was arguably the best offensive and defensive player for the Saints today. I mean, or yesterday, I really should say. So, I mean, again, I feel like this game, when you look at the first downs, third down, conversion percentage, like all this stuff, the Saints did an outstanding job. They converted 26 first downs, which is something that's really big compared to Carolina, who only converted 18. On third down, the Saints were 12 of 14, which is just outstanding. They did a great job in that front. I mean, Carolina was great on third down, too. They were 6 of 9, which just shows you that both of these offenses really dominated. But the Saints were able to kind of just keep the ball in their hands for as long as possible, which is really what won them this game. I mean, at least that's what I think in my mind. So that's obviously this offense without Michael Thomas, without Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, they're really clicking. I mean, shout out Marquise Calloway, Deontay Harris. I mean, really all of them. They played an outstanding game. And to me, you got to give them a ton of credit here because, look, it could have easily been another outcome in this game. And that's something that I feel like, you know, you could have Breeze not play well. Breeze, uh, people are still talking about how he's not so good. I mean, he played an outstanding game. I mean, he was spreading it all around to these wide receivers who definitely stepped up. I mean, as I just said, you had Calloway. I mean Kamara stepped up for as a running back, eight receptions, as he always does, but I mean he had a good game in my mind. Traquan Smith had four for fifty-four, which is not bad. Deontay Harris caught the touchdown, Jared Cook caught a touchdown. I mean, Breeze was definitely spreading spreading it out. Excuse me. You had Austin Carr, who had a catch. I mean, the Saints were able to really spread it out on offense and have a great game. And you just look at the total plays. You have 67 total plays. You're doing something right. I mean, you have over 400 yards of total offense. You're 3-4 for in the red zone, which should have been 4 for 4 But they called the Marquise Callaway touchdown back because of an offensive pass interference penalty, which I thought was kind of bogus on Traquan Smith as it looked like he was trying to get out of the way and they still called it on him. I just don't understand that, but look, we know that these penalties are going to continue to hurt the Saints and the refs also um are not going to do them any favors. Like we know that by now. And look, these kind of bonehead penalties kind of continued in this game. And um when we talk about the defense we'll definitely get into that. But that was something I felt overall this offense was able to keep the ball for a long time. And really have long sustained drive, which is something that's really big. I mean, you do have six penalties for 50 yards, a lot of that's on the defensive end. Chauncey Gardner Johnson did not have a good game in this one. CD Deuce did not look so good, I think, for the first time this year. He's been playing pretty well overall and just didn't have it today. And you kind of saw his effect on this defense when he doesn't have it, as the Saints got killed in the slot, they got killed over the middle of the field, and Again, a lot of that is really put on these safeties because I think really the safety trio of Gardner Johnson, Marcus Williams, who looks awful right now, and then also Malcolm Jenkins, they were nowhere to be found today. And the Saints got hurt over and over again from it. So that was really the case with the penalties. And then finally, with time of possession, I mean, the Saints won the time of possession battle by nine minutes with both of these offenses just completely humming. I mean, the Saints had 34 minutes of to over 34 minutes of total uh, time of possession. That's something that you want to keep up. And that also goes back to running the ball really well. I mean, you overall have 4.8 yards of carry. And then also with Alvin Kamara, had 5.9 yards of carry when he had 14 carries for 83 yards. Play outstanding in this one. And again, when you're able to run the ball well, have a quarterback that played really efficient when Breeze was, look, 29 to 36, 287, two touchdowns, also had a running touchdown. Play outstanding in this one the offense played about, to me, as good as possible, and then when you go to the defense, and at least, like, the rushing stats, I mean, the Saints stopped the Panthers to 2.6 yards a carry, like, that's something that is really, really good, and besides that, there's really not much to say besides probably the Davenport sack, and we're going to get in, into all that, excuse me, later when we talk about our grades, and then also I'm going to talk about it um, in our intriguing matchups with Tyrone, because, I mean, look, it wasn't pretty for the Saints on defense. It wasn't pretty for the Panthers on defense, obviously, either. And I feel like you have to commend the Saints for playing really well on offense, especially without their top two receivers to, I mean, the game fell on them and they did a great job. You know, they were playing really well and it looked like they were in sync without your top two receivers. That's really difficult to do. Hats off to Drew Brees. He was the player of the game in my mind. And again, it kind of looked like 2015 for two reasons. It was 2015 because Breeze was looking at, you know, tip-top shape really good. And the defense just couldn't stop a nosebleed. So it was kind of 2015 for both of those reasons. But, um, again, I feel like they'll take the win. It's a divisional game. It's going to be close. The defense stepped up in, like, the dire position like they did last week or two weeks ago against the Chargers when, you know, in that game you had the game-saving tackle by Marshawn Lattimore. In this game you kind of have the game-clinching sack by Marcus Davenport. So all that stuff is good, but... A lot of stuff here to um, recap, go over, and get better. Because that's really what the Saints need to do here on the secondary. And then that's really it overall. And again, I feel like when the Saints team, when you're looking at these overall trends in the game, the offense did all the right things here to cover the defense. And that's great to see. Because, you know, the offense, like, this this game, they didn't need the big plays, high flying. You want it to be slow, methodical, keep Teddy Bridgewater off the field. And they did that really well. So... That is going to wrap up our notes segment. So before we get into our intriguing matchups where I talk to two-time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Poole, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Dat Discussion Podcast. Between the NFL, college ball, and the World Series, there's no shortage of games to watch. With thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events, you could turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real money maker. And don't forget about the underdogs. They have a ton of value too. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win. And you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie and when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I
1: don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
0: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13.
1: Welcome back into the Huda discussion. And now we're going to get to our intriguing matchup segment but this is a special segment today as I'm joined by former cornerback Tyrone Poole he's the host of believe in the Carolina Panthers podcast on the believe podcast network former Panthers player and two-time Super Bowl champion how you doing Tyrone
0: how you doing Andrew uh, it's an honor to be on your show who that who that who that said going beat them saints who that with the carolina panthers They thought they would have who that, but it didn't come out to the victory to the Panthers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was a good game, though. I mean, it was was a really good divisional matchup. I think both these quarterbacks played outstanding in my mind. and I'm really happy for Teddy Bridgewater because obviously former Saint and the way he came back. I love his story. So now I'm really, really happy for him. And we're going to talk about it in this intriguing matchup segment. But. Tyrone, I want to start off with you. What's your first kind of intriguing storyline or matchup from this game that you want to take away from either the Saints or the Panthers?
0: Well, uh, for the actual Saints, I think at the tail tail end of the game, that third and 13, I think that was a big, crucial play um, for them. Uh, Drew Brees, of course, you know, he's going to do what he does. And, um, you know, overall, Sean Payton – you know, they're always going to come in throwing the ball and mm-hmm. that's just what that offense is built from. But it was a great game. And I know the fans that were able to attend, uh, had a blast, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it shows that the, the saints are still the, uh, king of the South, uh, the NFC South, but it also shows that the Panthers are emerging and, uh, Somewhere or another, they will face each other again. (laughs) And then you talk about next year, you know, the Panthers should be stronger. The question would be, will the Saints be stronger next year uh, than they are right now? Because I do believe that the Panthers are surging. And the Saints, will they keep the momentum for the next three to four years? Or will they have to relinquish their hold to the NFC South and give it over to the Panthers, you know, you could talk about the yeah. Bucks, but the Bucks are kind of, you know, they got an old quarterback. Same how long is Tom Brady going to be around? Exactly. Mm. So the Saints, the question is that I'm taking away from this game, Uh, not only can they still make plays when they need to make plays, but beyond this season, how much more do the Saints have in the tank to where they can be the top of the NFC South?
1: Yeah. And I think today or yesterday's game, really showed, especially on the third downs where Breeze was still able to get it done, like those plays, especially from a veteran team, the Panthers, obviously you're a growing team. You just see like areas like that. I feel like you just, it showed that the Saints veteran team can get it done. And that third and third team was huge. I mean, there were a lot of, I mean, a lot of third down conversions. Saints were 12 or 14 overall. Yes. Which is something that, look, is outstanding if you're the Saints and just backbreaking for the Panthers. And kind of my first matchup, I was talking about it in my preview episode and it was really about how these Saints receivers were going to do against, to me, a surprisingly good Panthers secondary this year. And the Saints were coming in without Michael Thomas, without Emmanuel Sanders, who's on the COVID-19 reserve list. And then you have Marquez Callaway really stepping up in this game, undrafted free agent, eight catches, 75 yards. He did get hurt later in the game, but he's doing fine now. So I thought, you know, especially on those third down plays, he was able to really make some clutch catches and as an undrafted free agent, I think that's something that's really big. And also, Alvin Camaro, we all know him. He was able to catch some big third downs. Jared Cook had a touchdown, Deontay Harris. But I really feel like the way this Saints uh, wide receiving corps did, they were able to get open for Breeze. And I, maybe this is a question for you about the Panthers secondary. What did you see from them? I think they've been playing good to start the season. Uh, what was different today, maybe, from past games?
0: Well, again, you have a young secondary. Uh, You have people that are beat up. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, anytime you can't play, which in the NFL, you can never play at 100%. Once that season starts, (laughs) that's your only chance that you're going to ever be 100%. After that, you're basically playing uh, at the best that you can, and even though they're young, uh, they're still predicated on their front four. I still think Brown, Burns, who Burns came had and had game. some big hits on uh, Drew Brees. So anytime you have a front four, uh front seven that is very stout, it makes it easier for your secondary. And these guys still being, you know, not really molding and coming together. That's why I say they're young. Uh, Because you can have veterans back there, and if we don't have any playing history with one another, then we're young as far as getting the continuity of knowing each other. So, again, this is a new team, uh, defense. Nobody really knows one another. But the secondary is beginning to understand the concept of Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator. And who better to understand where you are than to go against the Saints' offense, Mm -hmm. even though Drew Brees was – Threw the ball thirty six times and completed twenty nine. You know that's a, that's a pretty good completion percentage. But uh, you know uh, didn't come away with no interceptions. And anytime you're playing against somebody like Drew Brees, you got to get him off of that back foot. You got to get him to moving around because once that back foot sets, then that ball is coming out. As you can see, twenty nine for thirty six, two eighty seven. So, but overall, uh, to keep Drew Brees two eighty seven under three hundred. You know that's still good. But the the fact that he completed the passes that he needed, needed to complete, that is the sad thing for the uh, Panthers secondary.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up a really good point about like communication and that stuff, especially going up against Sean Payton, Drew Brees, so many different personnel packages, so many, they're throwing so much stuff at you and the Panthers were coming into this game without there's a starting cornerback for them, Rasul Douglas. I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well it's like they're young and they're like six games are playing with each other. And then you take a player out of that. So now it's a new player and new communication. And then to add, add with that, you're playing against Drew Brees and Sean Payton, which, you know, to just that relationship between them is just outstanding. And, you know, they're going to be on the same page. So for defenses, I mean, like how hard is it to kind of for them to be on the same page against when you have like a coaching quarterback relationship and really the whole offense, it's like, Maybe there won't be a ton of big plays, but they're able to kind of, you know, yes. be death by paper cups. Like, what is that really like?
0: Well, you you hit the nail right on the head when you have a quarterback and a head coach, because a quarterback is an extension of the head coach on the field. And, you know, I played for the Patriots, and that what made the Patriots so good. So mm-hmm. when people ask, and I'm pretty sure they ask the same question with the Saints, who is more important? Is it Belichick or Brady? Mm-hmm. Brady or Belichick. Well, same thing with the Saints. Who's more important? Is it Drew Brees? Is it Sean Payton? Sean Payton or Drew Brees? Well, they both play their roles. You got Sean Payton is the general. And you got pretty much like Drew Brees, he's the guy in the infantry. He's the boots on the ground. So he carries out the plans and the mission. And when you have a guy like Drew Brees, he's able to manipulate what he sees on the field based off of the call that was given. And it's almost like sometimes I think they actually get in the huddle mm-hmm. and the receiver come back and say, Hey, I think I got such and such beat. I got uh, uh Eli Apple. I got a mm-hmm. beat here. Uh And Drew Brees, okay. All right, we're going to call the same play, but this time I'm going to throw the ball. I'm going to back shoulder the ball on this throw. Instead of throwing it over, I'm going to back shoulder it. Mm-hmm. So just expect that. And then, boom. But they're carrying out the same play that Sean Payton called in, but now Drew Brees having these many, 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 many years of battle-tested activity, he's able to manipulate the play, and that what makes their offense so tough to defend.
1: Yeah, I mean, you were talking about the uh, back shoulder passes and stuff like that, like Breeze and his connections with his receivers. He's one of the best at that with ball placement yes. and stuff like that. And it's because of that communication. And you're on the same page with, you know, Breeze and Payton. And then you know you have Michael Thomas there, Alvin Kamara. I mean, I've just been talking about it all year. I mean, this offense. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about Breeze and you know, is he done? Is he not? And it's like this offense, at least for this year, they have too many weapons: yes. Sean Payton, Drew Breeze, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. The list goes on and on. And even to, even yesterday, you had an undrafted rookie step-up. Like, to me, that's just, you know, really big for the Saints. And, again, I feel like for this NFC South, I feel like, as you were saying, the Panthers, look, I feel like they're coming on as a team, and I think they're definitely growing. And I think it's probably going to be more of a question in a few years who's going to take that next step in the division. But right now, I mean, at least I think the Saints definitely um, look like one of the favorites. And what yes. I also wanted to touch upon with um, our treating matchups, talking about the Saints offense. It's kind of the Panthers offense as they, with Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator, he coached under Sean Payton. So a lot of yeah. similar tend- tendencies, excuse me. And I think what I really want to get into is Teddy Bridgewater and how he's able to run an offense because I think he looked outstanding in this game, which I'm really happy about, you know, because he was on the Saints and, you know, he is an amazing story. You know, he was 23 of 28, 254 and two touchdowns. And I thought he really, made this offense extremely efficient for the Panthers, especially when they really weren't able to run the ball that well. I mean, he stepped in there and I think really ran a good show. So, I mean, what did you see from Teddy Bridgewater? Did you see anything different from past games?
0: I think, Andrew, like they call Teddy Bridgewater in – carolina steady teddy (laughs) i think uh, desmond has given him uh the co-host of believe in panther broadcast Mm -hmm. Uh, he's given teddy the nickname steady teddy and and it actually showed again that you know he's steady uh again drew Brees had a great percentage completion uh percentage of Teddy Bridgewater, the 30. same thing, you know, 23, 28, uh, 20, threw the ball 28 times, completed 23, uh, 254, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So, you know, Teddy did enough to throw the ball. He had some good throws and threw the ball where it needed to be thrown. And like you said, you alluded to Joe Brady having a little bit of insight about that Saints offense kind of runs pretty much the same thing. It's almost like if you take a Bill Walsh coach uh, – who goes on Mike Hongram, um you take uh uh, mike shanahan you take pretty much anybody that's been in that west coast offense they may manipulate it a little bit to fit what they think Mm -hmm. could be better but at the end of the day the principles of that offense is still the same so you know joe brady is almost like watching a scrimmage you know you got Mm -hmm. first team against second team then the uh second team against the second team but uh you saw mirror images of one another, but the thing again with Teddy, that's why they brought him into Carolina because, you know, even though cam, you know, he is who he is. He's a different style of quarterback. And I don't think it's nothing against maybe his abilities. I think it was more about his knowledge of this particular offense and Teddy Bridgewater fit the offense that Joe Brady wanted to run in Carolina, very much better than cam Newton, but Teddy did a great, had a great job, um, Yesterday and again, he will have to learn to be that person that has to win the game because the running game, you know, wasn't really clicking uh so much for the uh Panthers. You know, you look at Mike Davis, seven carries. You know, it, it's not. I'm not even gonna say the yards because it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not good enough. And yeah. when you don't have a running game, unlike the Saints, you know, you had Avin Kamara. You know, um, like he. 83 yards but 83 Mm -hmm. yards is not what I'm looking at is the 5.9 yards of carry that he was getting so that means every time he touched the ball if it's second down now the Saints only need five yards for a first down uh and then I think Latavius Murray you know he was averaging 4.3 so again Teddy Bridgewater he does what he needs to do for the Panthers but he can't win the game by himself and I think if the Panthers had some type of running game you know maybe they could have uh slowed down the uh Saints because I'll close with this the Saints just had too many plays on offense um they had way more plays than the Panthers did and you know you you can't win games when you don't have the ball in your possession
1: yeah I mean <laughs> when I my biggest takeaway from this game was it was almost like Drew Brees and the Saints offense was the Saints best defense yeah, <laughs> because, you know, when you're on the field so many times, I mean, right now the Saints secondary is not playing very well. And I think we're going to get into that um, a little later. But, I mean, when your defense is ailing and, you know, you're giving up a lot of, you know, points, yards to Teddy Bridgewater, keep them off the field. You know, that's obviously the biggest thing. And I feel like this Saints offense, you know, kind of going methodical down the field, you know, slow and, slow and steady, really, especially when you have Kamara, as you were saying, runs the ball at 5.9 yards of carry. You know, you get into good uh, second down situations, and then you're able to, you know, pick up third downs, third and shorts. And that's probably the reason that the Saints were in that 12, uh, 12 or 14, because a lot of them were two, three yards. And, you know, when you're, when you're able to run the ball efficiently, efficiently on first and second down, you know, Drew Brees, third and shorts, he's going to get to the, the defense in, you know, poor situations, be able to convert those um, for sure. And then kind of my last um, matchup before we get into talking about the Saints secondary – um, was about Alvin Kamara and against this Panthers front seven. As you know, you were saying the Panthers front seven is going to have to get better. So the secondary helps, and I thought Kamara did a really nice job against them, and especially the zone running schemes, which um, he did really well in the cutbacks. He had a few really big runs. Also, he had eight catches, you know, for 65 yards and 148 yards from scrimmage as well. So obviously, that's really big. So what did you see out of Kamara? And you know, d- did you think that the Panthers could do anything differently to stop him in this game?
0: Well, the, see the thing about Avin Kamara, you know that he's not going to be that uh, Henry type yeah. of running back in Tennessee. You know that they're not going to feed him the ball. You got to stop the running game. When you can play the Titans just to bring them into the example. You know you got to stop Henry. Yeah. The Titans are going to run the ball, but with Avin Kamara, you know that they going to throw the ball to him more out the backfield than they are going to give it to him between the tackles. So you come in with a defensive game plan to stop him pass wise first, but then that gives the saints, they give, as we talked about, Sean Payton, you know, mastermind, give him the opportunity to say, you know what? they're coming in here, the Panthers are coming in here to stop Kamara out of the backfield passing. So what we're going to do, we're now going to mix in more runs. So now your defensive linemen are taught to contain, and now you have gaps where Avin Kamara can pick up an average 5.9 uh, yards of carry. But if you totally concentrate on his run, then I don't think – He gets that 5.9. But at the same time, if you stop his run average, he's going to beat you as far as his pass average. So it's kind of like playing Russian roulette when you play Mm -hmm. against the Saints or if you play against a running back like Avin Kamara. I even go back to Priest Holmes when he played with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was that type of guy. You you knew he could catch the ball at the backfield. How do you defend him? Okay, we're going to take him out of the pass. Then he gouges you for a high mm-hmm. run average. Same thing Marshall Falk with the uh, St. Louis Rams. Same type of effect. So, Avin Kamara is the same type of athlete. You you got to pick your poison. Do we take him out of the pass game? Okay, well, he's going to have a big run average, and he don't have to run the ball that much. So, I think, you know, he's a guy that uh, Avin Kamara is one of them guys that you really just got to – Flip the coin and say I yeah. think they're gonna pass on this down, and you call mm-hmm. a pass defense, you know. So, but he's a heck of a guy. He fits that offense very well for what Sean Payton wants to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. What you were talking about is if you you know defend them in the pass or the run, and you know it's kind of you're gonna get beat one of the ways unless you obviously have an extremely um, deep defense where you know you have really good up front where you know you can leave some guys um, open, you can kind of fill some double teams, and that would obviously be really helpful, but you know, for the Panthers and I think a ton of other teams, it's kind of like pick your poison. And I mean, that's, yes. I mean, he's just like, I mean, I think that's a perfect way to describe it, especially with other running backs. You know, it's not just like a Derrick Henry, maybe like a Zeke Elliott where, you know, they're just going to pound it down your throats. You know, Kamara is not going to do that. You know, he's going to mm. catch eight catches, you know, run the ball 5.9 yards a carry, 83 yards. Exactly. Like, man, that's a perfect way to describe it. So definitely, I think we're going to leave it at that because that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> about him. And he's going to continue to do that. I mean, the Saints, I think the big thing last year was, you know, he wasn't as explosive. So then maybe you were able to kind of beat him on one on ones out of the backfield and you could focus up a little more against the run. And, you know, I don't think his burst was there fully, but, you know, this year, you know, he's not as banged up or at least not yet. He's not as banged up and man, he looks just really great. And, you know, before we wrap up this segment um, as a cornerback or former cornerback, I definitely want to get your opinion on the Saints secondary struggles as. They've I say the one part of this team that's gonna keep the Saints away from a deep playoff run or a Super Bowl run is going to be the secondary, as Teddy Bridgewater has picked them apart, you have Aaron Rodgers picking them apart, really Matthew Stafford picked them apart, really any, you know, quarterback of this year has been able to do what they want through the Paz game. So I definitely just want to get your opinion on what you see from the Saints secondary and if it's possible to fix and just stuff like that.
0: Well, I think when you talk about the secondary, we talked about the front four. Uh, That's what it starts with, you know, Cameron, Jordan. uh, You know, you got guys, Rankins. You know, you got all these guys that basically, if it's not – if they don't do their job, if they don't do their job, then it makes it – I don't care who you got back there in the secondary. Now, I think Deion Sanders is the best defensive back to play the game man-to-man skill-wise. I think, you know, between him and Rod Woodson, you know, Mm -hmm. I think those two guys right there – they are awesome. Give me those two guys, and maybe I don't need a defensive <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but in this game, you got to have a defensive line. So you know when you do, the better and more pressure they can put on their quarterback, it makes it easier. So again, guys still got to cover um, Lattimore. You still got to cover. You know Gardner. You know these guys still got to get out there and do their thing. But it makes it much easier when you have that front seven that can make that quarterback throw the ball faster or sooner Mm. than they are supposed to. But if you give that quarterback time, I don't care who you are. You are going to struggle. But the one thing you don't want to do and have happen in a secondary, they tell us this all the time when I played, we do not want to give up big plays. Big plays are any passes that were over 25 yards. So Mm. you don't want to give up big plays, whether it's a catch for 25 yards or if it's a Uh, a five yard catch that turns into into 20 yards. yak Yards after the catch, Mm -hmm. you don't want to give up big plays and you know, it becomes demoralizing when you give up big plays, It, it just zaps some of the energy out of you. And now the defensive coordinator has to find some type of way to combat what the offense is taking advantage of. So um so there's some, a lot of moving pieces in this. That's why I love football. That's why mm-hmm. football is the greatest team sport. Uh, unlike basketball, one guy can score all the points. But in football, all 11 guys on defense – Have to do their job, and that's not just a saying that we said in New England, but Mm -hmm. everybody has to do their job, whether you're a Saints or whether you're the Panthers. You got to do your job if we're going to be successful in the secondary or linebackers or the D line. We all play together,
1: yeah. I mean, that's I think a really interesting point you brought up about the pass rush. And I really feel like the Saints they stopped the run really well, which should mean that you know you pin the years back and you're able to rush the passer, but they only got one sack. Now, that sack was really big on Teddy Bridgewater and ended up causing a 65-yard field goal, which was barely missed. I mean, that was crazy, um, that play. But, I mean, overall, I mean, look, I feel like Cameron Jordan right now, only one and a half sacks. That's something maybe to look at. Marcus Davenport was hurt for most of the season. He just came back two weeks ago, and he obviously had a big sack in this game. But I really like that point you brought up because, like, you would think if you're stopping the run so well, you're able to at least bring pressure on Teddy Bridgewater and make him feel uncomfortable. And it just didn't seem that way. I mean, at least from my point of view, it seems like he was able to sit back there and kind of just, you know, pick them apart. And I think the other thing that you said, which was, I think for the Saints, is just really big is stopping the big plays. And I I think that starts with Marcus Williams, their safety. Just, you know, he's missed, I think, on some coverages and, you know, identifying some things and, you know, some mental errors. I feel like that's, you know, a big thing. And I think a lot of people talk about those mental errors. And, you know, especially for the secondary, like how big is, you know, that prevalent you feel? Or is it just maybe a Saints thing? Or is that just something like, you know, you go back to do your job and stuff like that? Um, could other ventilators from other players maybe make you look bad and stuff like that? You know?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I want to say this before I answer that question. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, they're, they're big on stats. You know, well, this team is number one against the run. Uh, this team is number one against the pass. Those numbers can be miscrewed. Because if you're number one against a run, that means people may be throwing the ball against you more. Yes. If you're number one against the pass, that may mean that people choose to run against you more. Mm-hmm. So you don't get as many pass attempts to show the vulnerability of your pass defense or your uh, run defense. The numbers that I try to look at are third down efficiency and points scored against you. Mm-hmm. Now now teams are scoring a lot of points, touchdowns, then your defense is very – you're going to struggle. You're not going to win championships. But if you got a low percentage of points scored against you and you get off the field on third down, now, in order to get out the field on third down, that means on first and second down, you really have to whip that offense's butt. Mm-hmm. You have to put them in second and 10 or second and long, but you can't give them third and short and expect to have great third down efficiency defense. So, uh, again, uh, you got to be able to do those things, but uh, communication in the secondary is very, very uh, vital, very important. And if you don't have that communication, you uh, You know, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. So the Saints secondary really got to pick it up and they got to take it upon themselves to try to study and find out where their vulnerabilities are.
1: Yeah, I think you give up. You make a great point about third down efficiency, red zone efficiency and you know points per game. And the Saints are in the bottom of the league and all those yards per game. They're in the top. But when you look at points, you know, red zone, I mean, they're giving up. Uh, touchdowns at like a very alarming rate. I think it's like over eighty percent. They're giving up touchdowns in the red zone, which is you know dreadful. And do you feel like that falls on coaching, or is that more of player um, execution, especially in those spots, third down, and also mm. in the red zone? Is that something you know as a player, you know, you feel like there could be a disconnect coaching-wise, or is it more just guys not executing?
0: Yeah, and that's a great question. I think it falls more on the players. Um, than the coaches. Now the coaches are accountable as well, uh, but everybody studies films. And if you don't study film as a player, every defense. Now this is just my, just my. Mm-hmm. Not because I play defense, mm-hmm. but I believe that every defense can stop every offense, offensive play. Yeah. And some offensive fans out there may say, Tyrone, man, you full of <laughs> same, whatever.
1: Same fans, not. Exactly. Because but oh, I definitely
0: oh, believe man. that every defense can stop every offense. If you don't believe me, go ask yourself, why does the, off the NFL try to implement so many rules yes. to handicap the defense? Mm-hmm. Because they know the defense is a pin your ears back, and we go at it. Mm -hmm. And offense, everything has to be timing. If that timing is thrown off, then bam, nothing is going to happen. So that right there is just, you know, one of my um, (laughs) rebuttals to if somebody said, I don't believe defenses can stop offense. But again, talking about, like you said, in the red zone, Guys have to know what team tendencies are, and you have to understand the weaknesses and strengths of that defense. So if you understand the weaknesses and strength of your defense, then you know as you get closer to the end zone, you know what they're going to try to do. Uh, Wide receiver, he's either going to run a slant or he's going to run a fade. So from a player standpoint, you now have to make the actual play. The coach has called the play. It's man to man. You know you're in man to man. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said in the beginning it's probably more of the player than the coach because the player still has to carry out the actual play. And this is where the athletic ability and film study of the player comes into play.
1: Yeah, do you think that, like, like problems in that, especially in the red zone, does that get stressed more just because smaller areas, offenses are probably going to go back to their bread and butter, as you were saying, slant, you know, corner routes, fade routes, and then also running the ball is obviously really big. Does a player, kind of his strengths and weaknesses, does those get, I mean, I, I guess, like, more shown in the red zone? Would that be something that's correct? I think
0: in, in, in practice, what we do uh, as players and what coaches do, giving everybody a little bit of insight here. Um it's almost like you put your players under pressure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Pressure meaning coaches know what their individual players can do. That's why they have substitution. You know, we substitute a linebacker out and bring a defensive back in and form what they call a nickel because Mm -hmm. we know the defense that we're about to call as the defense coordinator is about to call that linebacker cannot cover. Mm -hmm. That linebacker can play the run, but the linebacker can't cover. So you bring in a nickel, someone who is a hybrid, who can play the run, but also can cover. So I I definitely agree and and, and say that, you know, the player's ability, uh, every coach knows the player's ability, and they actually go through practice, and they put us in particular situations to see how we're going to react. So, when we get to the game, the coach already knows what type of defense he needs to call, who he needs to help. Well, if we're going to double, well, we don't need to help Andrew double Mm -hmm. his receiver. Andrew has showed us, I've got to give you some props here, Andrew. (laughs) Playing corner. Andrew has shown us in practice that he can cover one-on-one, but Tyrone has struggled. So, when we go into the game, we're going to tell the safety to double down with Tyrone, and we're going to leave Andrew by himself. So, Leading up to the game, the coaches already kind of know the weaknesses and strengths of the defense, but at the end of the day, the players still have to step up and carry out the task.
1: Yeah, great stuff, and I love all the insight, and especially on this situation because I feel like the Saints, if they're going to be, you know, probably Drew Brees' last dance final season, their secondary is going to have to play better if they want to, you know, make a Super Bowl run, and I think that's great insights how to fix it and kind of where the problems are. So thank you for that, and thank you for coming on the show as I my think pleasure. we're going to wrap up this segment here. So before you go, where can we find you on social media? And then also where can we find the believe in the Carolina Panthers podcast?
0: Yeah, just uh, believe.com. Uh, uh, go uh, to Panthers. Uh, I believe in Panther uh, podcast. And also if you want to follow me on my social medias uh, it's Tyrone pool, 38 uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So, follow me Uh, I do a lot of inspirational so if you ever feeling down say Mm -hmm. if the Saints ever lose a game (laughs) and you're feeling down you want to get motivated just go to Instagram Facebook Twitter, Tyrone Pool, thirty-eight, and I'll uplift you. I may show you a couple of my Super Bowl trophies, but you know, but uh, at least you get some 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 inspiration. And hey, the Saints got a Super Bowl trophy too. They got a Lombardi trophy. So hey, champions lifting up champions. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank you for coming on, Tyrone. It's been a pleasure, man. All right,
0: thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me.
1: So that was former Panthers cornerback and two-time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Poole as we analyzed the Saints' win over the Panthers, 27-24, to as I thought he had a ton of great things to say, especially about the secondary. I mean, he had some really great insights as a former player to why the Saints' secondary is going wrong and, you know, whose blame does it fall on. And it was, to me, just very, very interesting. The thing that really stuck out about, you know, when we were talking is that He said, you know, you could really find the good defenses. They're good in the red zone. They're good in third down. And, you know, they're good at kind of those more situational things. And the Saints are not good at any of those things right now, which really kind of, you know, it really tells you a lot about this team and about this defense in particular. And overall, just had a great time talking with Tyrone. Definitely check out the Believe in the Carolina Panthers podcast and check out what they're doing on the air as well. If you want to hear anything on the Panthers Definitely check the podcast out. You know, the old saying is, you know, keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer here with the Panthers. And, you know, definitely check them out to keep yourself up to date on all things Panthers. But now I do want to jump into our Saints grading here. We're going to go group by group, as we always do with our group by group recap here. Starting off with the quarterbacks with Drew Brees. And I'm going to give him an A-plus in this game. I thought he played outstanding. He's the reason the Saints won this game. And to me, you really can't ask him to do anything else here. I mean, he was 29 of 36, as we said before, 287 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. He did it all. I mean, a 91 QBR, a passer rating of 118.4. He played outstanding in this one. And again, I know he did have the sack fumble where he lost it, but that was not his fault. Brian Burns, who's having a good season, you know, he kind of gets even better here with a nice sack fumble where he just completely destroyed James Hurst, who was in for Tyron Armstead, so again, I I feel like overall, Breeze played a great game, he was the reason the Saints won this game, he was the best player for the Saints in this game, and again, it was kind of like a flashback to like the 2015 Saints, he's playing with, you know, that the national media is like says they're no-name receivers, that's what really what Breeze was playing with today, and you know, we're gonna get into the skill position players, and how I thought they played amazing as well, but you know, Breeze was the one putting them into place. He was the field general, and he was able to do some really great stuff for the Saints, and that's why I'm going to give him an A-plus here. Moving over to the skill position group, I'm going to give them an A. I thought they played outstanding. Even an A-plus, you can say as well. I mean, maybe there was maybe if Callaway caught that touchdown, I'd give them an A-plus, but, you know, obviously the flag offsetted that. But I, I feel like this group could have played, I think, as good as they possibly, you know, can here without Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders you know Alvin Kamara he shows out. Latavius Murray has a good game as well. You know, and I think that's just really big for these guys. And you know with Kamara 5.9 yards a carry, the zone running was killing it for the Saints. You know, they were able to, you know, run these zone concepts and then they were able to cut back and have some huge runs. Really both Murray and Kamara, they did a wonderful job and that really helped the Saints set a tempo early on. They had a really nice drive to start off the game. Great great stuff here from these guys, and when you move it over to the receiving, I thought that these Saints receivers do great as well, especially without your top two guys. Marquise Callaway looks for real, and I'm just going to say eight catches, 75 yards. He reminds me a lot of a young Marcus Colston, and I know a lot of people have been saying that, but I really truly believe it. You know, his confidence to go over the field and make a catch, those clutch catches on third down, he reminds me just like Marcus Colston, the old number 12 in the Saints, And now we got Callaway, the new number 12, looking very, very similar here. And I really like what he's been able to do here for the Saints. And really, all these Saints receivers, as we were saying, I thought they played outstanding. Breeze was able to, you know, give it to a lot of different guys. Traequan Smith made a few big catches when needed. You had Deontay Harris, who caught that touchdown right before halftime. Jared Cook went up and got a ball that was really, really nice. So I'd like to see him get a little more involved, but I think overall, you know, he had a touchdown, so that's that's very, very good for him, I mean, even Austin Carr, as I said earlier, got in on the action, so that's really great stuff, I think overall, this Saints offense, they played basically as good as you want, I would say the only bad thing was the sack fumble, that was the only play where I would change, and again, the Saints were able to definitely rebound from that, and then go, you know, once that drive ended, they went just right back to, you know, what they were doing before the fumble, and they went down, scored a touchdown, and Look, they couldn't be stopped. Thomas Morstead, he was nowhere to be found in this game. And that's really great news for the QB skill position. And now we're going to get into the O-line. So that's all great stuff. And for me, I think the O-line played well in this one. I'm going to give them an A-. I mean, that sack fumble could have really proved costly for the Saints. And that was on the offensive line. And that's why I'm going to kind of drop them down to an A-. But overall, they played an outstanding game. I thought Andrews Pete particularly played really well. He just completely had like a grown man block. I'm pretty sure that's what Nick Underhill said. It was a grown man block. He just threw someone out of the way on a screen and on Alvin Kamara's screen pass. I mean, outstanding stuff. And I I mean, I feel like Pete, if he can play at that level every game and you get everyone back to full strength, Tyron Armstead was out pretty early in this game. So if you can get back him healthy and you know, hopefully Nick Easton comes back from the concussion, I really like what the Saints offensive line was doing. And really besides that sack fumble, Overall played really well, so definitely good stuff there. And now we're going to flip it over to the defense, where there's struggles. And we're just going to go right into it here with a defensive line here. And I don't think they played bad. I thought they played amazing against the run. And with Teddy Bridgewater, they were pressuring him, but they could never get a hand on him. It looked like Bridgewater had the force field around him. And he was just, like, throwing guys out of the the way with, like, the force from, like, Star Wars. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I'm going to give him a B just because, look, they did great against the run, they really impacted that part of the game, and then really with the, you know, pass rushing, they got to Teddy right when they needed to at the very, very end, I definitely want better, and it seems like they're progressing, they're not there yet, but they're progressing, and I thought this was also interesting what Tyrone was saying, he was saying that, you know, if you could really have a dominant effort here by this defensive line, or maybe a few dominant efforts from the defensive line, that can really help the back ends. and I completely agree, because I feel like the one thing I want to say about this Saints defense right now, they have no identity. And when you have no identity, that's really going to hurt. Like, they're not dominant up front. They're not dominant in the linebacker group. And they're not dominant on the back end. They're really bad on the back end. But they're not dominant in any other area. And they can't get turnovers. They're awful in the red zone. And that's going to hurt. You can have as much talent as you want. They're bad in all the little places. And they're not dominant in anything. You're going to get hurt by that. And that's something that I feel like this whole defense And it may not come from the secondary, because the secondary may not improve that much, unless they make a change either at coaching, or personnel, and maybe you bench a player or two, but I feel like the Saints, if they're really going to want to make a run at the Super Bowl, you're either going to have to have a dominant group, like, and I think the defensive line can be a dominant group, that's what I'm saying, I mean, they definitely have all the potential in the world, and yes, they haven't been, like, bad, I'm not going to point a finger at them, but they haven't been great as well, so that's something that I really wanted to say, I mean, yes, they got the game-winning sack, and that's awesome, And, again, that's great. They stopped the run. You saw some impact plays by Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemada. But, again, it just consistently wasn't there. And I I feel like that's something that the Saints are definitely going to have to fix if the back end kind of falters still. Because then one of your groups are going to have to be dominant then if your back end's, you know, really not playing well. And I feel like sometimes in those 2018 season, 2017 season, the Saints were starting to turn around their defense. The defensive line was dominant, and it definitely helped the back end. And I think that may have to happen again here if the Saints are going to see some success here in overall on defense. Because right now, I mean, I'm not, not going to blame you know the defensive line for the for the struggles here because the secondary should be much better. There's too much talent on that secondary. But right now, if the secondary is going to play that bad and the Saints are going to win a Super Bowl. They're going to need one of the linebackers and defensive line to be dominant. And I think the, the defensive line definitely has the best shot to do that. So that's kind of my mini rant. And that's really just what I feel about this Saints defense. And again, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can fix anything and where they'll get the fix. But that's really what I feel uh, about this defense. And they really just need an identity. I think that would really help them. If they could find just one thing that they're dominant at, it could definitely help. Because I don't know how much this back end is going to get better here. But moving over to the linebackers, I'm going to give them a B as well. Again, I I don't think they played awful. I'm not going to point the defensive struggles at them. Thought Demario Davis was as good as ever. But again, nothing great outside of him. Anzalone doesn't look awful, but he doesn't look great. He's kind of just like a net zero, which is fine. But, you know, that's just really what he is right now is a net zero. So that's kind of what it is. He did have a tackle for loss. So that was obviously some good stuff from him. He was able to, you know, at least, you know, make some plays. He actually had one and a half tackles for loss. That's really good from him. And that's something that, you know, you want to see Antoloni get into the backfield and penetrate. That would be obviously really big. But uh, I don't think he played an outstanding game by any stretch of the imagination. So that's just really what I felt there. And just flipping it back to the secondary, kind of, I mean, we talked about it a lot this episode. I don't really want to talk about it much more. I'm going to give him a D. And really what I'm going to give them, or I'm going to actually give him i C-. I'm not going to say they, they get a D because they only gave up 24 points and the Saints did win this game. So I'm not going to give him a D. I'm going to give him a C-. minus. And I do want to start off with just two positives we didn't talk about. Janoris Jenkins is back and looks really good. I think that's great. We didn't call his name once, which to me is a win. That means no one really targeted him. He played a good game, and I'm very, very happy to see that. Very happy to see him healthy and playing well. That's like the one player on the same secondary that, you know, going into the season, you know, we thought he was going to be good, and he's been good. That is definitely great. Marshawn Lattimore, I don't think he played a great game, but it was a lot better than last week or the game against the Chargers, so see an improvement there, I'll take it, so that, those two, those two players played really good in this game, and that's something that I think they're gonna get better, because they have a ton of talent, those two guys, and that's gonna, I think, help this scene secondary, I don't know how much better they're gonna get, especially Lanimore, who we've just, we've just seen up and down play a mixed bag from him, and I don't think we really know what we're getting week to week, but if he can consistently, you know, be the player that, you know, we've seen him be for so many years, I think that can really help, and I think it definitely will help, but, I think the Saints' biggest struggles is the safety group, which I really, I really thought they were going to be good going into the season, and boy was I wrong because Marcus Williams has taken multiple steps back at this point, and a lot of Saints, you know, podcasters, fans, analysts, they're saying to bench him, and again, I, I don't know if they should. I mean, I wouldn't be definitely mad about it. I think DJ Swearinger is going to give you kind of more steady play. He's not going to have the boom plays that Williams has the possibility of having, but he's not going to give up 74-yard touchdowns. I'll tell you that much. He's a veteran. He's a pretty good player. And, you know, I I think he's shown actually spurts of being really, really good. So maybe, you know, he goes in there and plays really well for you. I mean, at this point, I think it's worth a shot. And honestly, maybe you want to go with with him this week. I'm not 100% sure. I would at least activate him. That's all, I mean, I have to say. And I think Swearinger is the better player than P.J. Williams right now as a free safety. So maybe you try that. Malcolm Jenkins coming into this year has been a disappointment. there's nothing else you can say about him and um, look you, you've definitely seen some flashes by Jenkins but it just hasn't been fully there. I think that you know he could get better but I don't know how much he is but you know the, th- the thing that I thought Jenkins was really gonna help this defense with was with that communication and you know kind of seeing what offenses were doing and that just hasn't been the case so that's really what it is from Jenkins and Garner Johnson did not play well in this game. Overall, during the season, he's actually played, I think, quite good. I mean, not amazing, not game-changing, but good. I mean, I wouldn't say he's played bad this season. And I I think he's still growing as a player, and he's going to continue to grow as a player. Maybe you put him in not just as a nickel, but a full-time safety. I don't really know. And it's just going to be interesting to see how that all works out. But the safeties are a real problem for the Saints. Big plays, penalties, not being disciplined. That's all a problem with these safeties. The good news is that the corners did play better. So I do want to say that as kind of the silver lining here of this secondary group. Then moving over to special teams coaching, I thought that overall, I thought the coaching was good. I mean, the play calling, I think, from Sean Payton's part was outstanding. Again, I don't think Dennis Allen's play calling was bad either. Everyone was kind of saying, oh, we should get rid of Dennis Allen. I don't think he's so much of the problem. A lot of his job is play calling, and I thought he really put some nice plays for the Saints defense to execute, and they just flat out didn't. So that's really the case here for Dennis Allen and the Saints coaching staff. And special teams, I think, was great as always. Well, lots looked good in their turn game. It was nice to have Deontay Harris back. And then also, I mean, Thomas said wasn't even on the field, which is great to see. So that's really it here from our group-by-group recap. And that's all I got for you guys in this podcast. It was a long podcast, it was a long recap, but I hope you guys enjoyed our intriguing matchup segment with two-time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Poole and then also our normal notes and you know group by group recap segments as well. And again, I feel like you'll take the win and that's all great stuff, but you got to get better each week. The Saints will be playing the Bears. So again, it's going to be interesting. They're a one-loss team only. The Bears have played really well this season. Hasn't always been the most prettiest of games for the Bears, but hey, they've gotten wins. I mean, they got a win against the Buccaneers a few weeks ago. I mean, they've been playing pretty solid football. They beat the Panthers. And uh, we're going to see if the Saints could kind of stop the trend of the Bears beating NFC South opponents here. And I I am confident about this game. I think the Saints can do it. They're playing really good offensive football. And again, I feel like the defense, maybe this is the game because the Bears offense isn't anything special. Maybe this is the game where, you know, you see the defense step up. I don't know yet, though. So that's just kind of what it is there. But I think with all that said, I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening turn it loose, and who dat?